Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, trees and non-binaries, and welcome to another exciting episode of I Am The Night, the show here on the DC Comics Podcast Network, where I, Adam Ray, and my dear father, Steve Ray, look back in time to the bright early 90s with Batman the Animated Series, somewhat the cornerstone of quote-unquote Saturday morning cartoon action. We see very little Batman in this episode, but we see the wider Bat family and the wider DC universe in episode 99, I do believe. It absolutely is episode 99 and 100 is already in the can as well. So listeners, you won't have long to wait. Very nice. Very exciting. So uh, who do we have? What amazing uh, members of the creative team do we have to thank for episode 99, Girls Night Out? Well, we was written by Herbie J. Bader and directed by Kurt Gator. Now with the title Girls Night Out, I thought of the Gotham City Sirens. I thought of that trifecta exactly. of, of Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, Catwoman. And we get some of that, mm-hmm. but we also get to see the powerful, heroic ladies of DC Comics Fair on the good guy side. Um, it's a real girl's night out because the cast of characters and the mentions of other characters it gives Batman a little bit of a reprieve and Kevin Conroy rest him a little bit of a, a week off from being in the studio recording. But yeah. we get some surprise appearances in this episode, don't we? I loved every second of this episode because it was totally not what I was expecting at all. Like you said, I was expecting Catwoman, Poison Ivy, Harley. I was expecting possibly um, possibly Batgirl as, as someone taking him out. But what we get right from the beginning and a voice that being a long-standing cinephile, I recognised immediately and even um, your darling mother stood up and said, hey, I know her. And yeah, we get the opening with a prisoner being transferred from Metropolis to Gotham, and it's not the it's the legendary Livewire, one of Superman's enemies, and uh, played brilliantly by a wonderful actress called Laurie Petty. But of course, we've got Babs in Gotham, and uh, Batman's out of town, like you said, alone. So um, Livewire is a handful. Mm. So who should Batman try to call Superman but he's out of town? So who would come but little cousin Kara, Batgirl, Supergirl against Livewire? And we'll come to that. Oh, yes, we will. Yeah, so there's an unexpected but welcome element of this episode being like an ambitious crossover. I don't know whether this is like in continuity or running at the same time as the Superman animated series by Bruce Timm. So obviously the same the same voice actors and the same art directors are probably just down the hall so that they could just be like, hey, do you do crossovers? Like, yeah, of course, obviously. Um, but it felt so natural, but such a surprise at the same time. Because again, as I've said in many episodes before, I these are all completely new to me and they're new to you as well, which is a nice surprise. So we were pleasantly surprised and didn't expect to see anyone, but yet here they are. So nice. So much fun. Yeah, Superman the Animated Series Season 1 and this final season of Batman Animated Series launched at the same time and they were both um, literally set on the streets by the pilot episodes which have now been merged into a movie, the Superman, Batman World's Finest Animated Movie, which we'll be reviewing in weeks to come. So yeah, we've got these characters at the forefront of just like living in this crossover, living in this wider DC universe. So... We're rewarded by uh, knowing about these uh, other episodes and about this uh, DC universe growing on t- on screen on animation. But uh, for those who were pleasantly surprised, we still get a well-rounded story with some reasonable action from all of our favorite heroes and villains. It's so seamless. You do not have to know who Livewire is. She's introduced perfectly in this episode. And um, 
if you don't know who Supergirl is, what planet are you living on? Mm. But even if you don't, the way she interacts with Barbara, the way she's brought into the episode, the writing, animation and direction is just, as it always is with this show, superb. Now, if you also watch Superman, the animated series, extra level of awesomeness. But it's so well put together that you can watch this episode by itself without having watched any previous Batman, any previous Superman, and still have 25 minutes of pure joy. Really so, yeah, because uh, uh, as we as we sort of see it framed, this new threat likewise invaded Gotham City and she initially tangles with Batgirl because uh, I thought it was a nice, actually a nice pleasant surprise that uh, Batman lets her drive the car when he's out of town. That was one um, of the first things I wrote in my notes. Me too, because um, I always know of the know of her just sort of like trying to be agile on the bicycle. So her in the car is a very pleasant surprise. But sure, they have a clash and she's a great deal more powerful than she other than was only expecting. So with that, there was already a huge bit of tension there. But we get the call to arms from a member of the House of El across across the city, across the country, and like her, like there's so much character and joy in like Supergirl just doodling, just being like, "Oh, Superman's going to save the day. I should be the hero here." Because like she was always meant to be that grand protector of Kal-El to keep him safe when he went across planets, but now he's the grand savior because she fell through time and space. So yeah, her taking this call to action was the instinctive and impulsive move that we know Supergirl to always have. So it's true to form here. And for those if, for those who may not necessarily know the character and just like coming into it fresh, we get so much about her just from that little opener and she backs up that girl perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. The characterization in this episode oh. is just faultless. Again, you know that this writer, Hilary J. Bader, who's come out of nowhere, written oh. five issues of, of the comic and then come in to write this series, clearly knows these DC characters inside and out and clearly loves them because her characterization of Babs and Kara and the relationship, they're like a second world's finest team. And this is like, to me, a worthy little sequel standalone to the Batman Superman world's finest movie because I would happily watch both of those together to introduce kids to these four amazing heroes and how brilliantly they work together. The brains and the logistics of the Bat family with the pure power and heroism of the Superman family and the way they work together is it, it's magic. It's absolutely magic. It really is because it rewards uh, viewers of all kinds. You get to see them and just cherish and how well they're handled for first season fans who know the characters like we do. But if you're still coming into it fresh, you get the perfect introduction and everything is just really well suited to just scoop you up and take you in. So they've handled this so well. Yeah, it's it's lovely, lovely to see. And uh, you, your poor mother, when I was watching this, it was literally like every couple of minutes as the series, as the episode opened, I was like, Livewire! Supergirl! Highly and ID! And yeah. of course, that um, just made things even cooler because, well, you know how much I love these two characters. I, I adore them. And having them team up-ish with Livewire against Supergirl and Batgirl was a lovely, lovely surprise. I think that's just sort of true to how you like to watch TV. You get very invested and very into it. You get you watch things a lot of childlikely, and it's honestly very endearing. So that makes total sense. If you're going to be all up 
and excited to see them on screen. And that's just going to be you, how you talk. And it's with, we're very fortunate that you don't do this in cinemas. Not that, God, when was the last time we saw something in the pictures together? All the sadly, sadly, Matt Reeves, the Batman, I think. Oh, blimey. Yeah. Well, when, something good's on, we'll, when something good's on, we'll rectify that soon. But as for yes. this show, uh, yeah, as you say, un, an unlikely alliance, but one that makes sense given the title and the theme of the episode. It's another wonderful insight of domestic Harley and Ivy, because even though Harley was created for the show, so much of what defines her as a character now is just on show here, because like her practicing on the pummel horse with her gymnastics, just like as they're in their loungewear as it is. Just they just feel like a natural fit and a natural couple. So of course they're just they're just sort of pushed together from their very creation and then Live Work comes in as this big bold personality that sort of shakes things up again. It's brilliant because Harley and Ivy are both there, a little bit bored, um, a little bit a loose end. And they say they can't really go out and face Batman again unless they have an edge. And of course, when she turns up and pops out of the toaster of all things, which was just amazing. Here's your edge. Superb. Absolutely brilliant. Oh, definitely. And sure enough, they take that edge right ahead. But then again, our heroes have the edge of being the, uh, having a superpowered entity on on the show. And they've been doing that pretty well of late because we saw Etrigan a few episodes ago. So they're making that real effort to make the DC universe bigger. Um, and it fits well because the clash in the in the shopping center, there's a real sense that they're very evenly so good. matched. But you also just the cleverness of the storytelling that you show how tenuous the uh, villainess's alliance is. Not just that, Livewire's power, hmm. the fact that she can discorporate, almost teleport, travel across electric lines, and uh, generate enough of a force to even stun Supergirl. It's yeah. unreal. But then science and intelligence, which is the Bat family's forte. Yeah. Batgirl works out, cover her in silica dust. Literally, she's cocooned, grounded, and powerless. And little things like yeah. that are what elevates this from just another kid's cartoon into something with so much more substance that the kids can still enjoy and see the action, but they learn something. And growing up, I learned, and this isn't an exaggeration, this is a fact, so much from comics that I never learned from books or from school, that having stuff like this in an animated show, it just makes me really happy as a parent and as a human being. And I'll happily put this on for the lovely kids next door, offering any child who wants to learn more about these characters and to actually learn, because you will watch in series like this. Oh, yeah, definitely. You've got to suspend a lot of disbelief to be interested in the superhero genre. Uh, but when you're able to ground a lot of that suspension disbelief in realism, in science, in history, or anything that might be educational, especially considering that this is a Saturday morning Saturday morning show geared towards kids that uh, want to learn without being in school, that little bit of like harmless but still accurate science here or there is really rewarding and really wonderful. So they handled that well whilst giving us the intense drama of the episode itself really well handled and the level of storytelling it's definitely really inspire kids to just make up their own stories and just like see characters they never would have expected to see just coming together absolutely brilliant and we still get also the mainstay something we love in the writing of this show that wonderful humor those one-liners um mm. stuff like calling horrible old bullock who does not take Batgirl and supergirl seriously at first 
a donut dunker. And Harley's constant with the mallet breaking into the um, shopping mall, breaking into the cash machine. And Livewire's questions are, are you out of your mind? And Harley's crazy face. Yeah. Magic. Absolutely magic. It also goes so well to sort of, as I said a little minute ago, to sort of showing how unlikely and strained their alliance is because we see the interesting realism in the characterization that, sure, a lot of people forget that um, Harley is like meta-human adjacent in terms of her strength and acrobatic, but we don't see that necessarily as much as we used to. But there's a certain affinity there between Poison Ivy and Livewire because they're both very clearly uh, next human in terms of like control of electricity and plants. But Harley has trouble using her mallet to bust open the doors or bust open the, the cash machine. So we get that tension there and we see the tension elevated a little bit further when she's zappy and mean to Bud and Lou. It sort of shows the difference between like heroic characters and villainous ones. I think it's also a good moral for the kids as well, just to sort of be like, big personalities can get you all the way on your own, but you need to work as a team sometimes. And that's why the team of these two heroes prevails, as we'll, as we'll talk about probably right now in the dramatic conclusion in this garden terrarium place that yes. uh, Ivy's living at. And again, it's a showcase battle. It's something that's so well mm. put together and directed that you do feel genuine threat and danger from the triple threat mm. of, of Liewire, Harley and, and Ivy against Supergirl and Batgirl. I mean, there are several times when our heroes are in trouble, but then what I love about shows like this is when they reverse things. Where Batgirl yeah. takes on Livewire and Supergirl mm-hmm. takes on Harley and Ivy. And when they do that kind of changeover, it makes sense because Livewire is used to dealing with Supergirl, with Superman. Harley and Ivy are used to dealing with Batman and Batgirl. So when the roles are reversed, the villains are on a back foot, even though they outnumber the heroes. <clears throat> and that's a tool from storytelling, which I've always loved. I found it very, very effective. And it was used brilliantly in this episode. Yeah, it's also completely contrary to uh, other superhero media we've been getting a lot of late. A lot of uh, superhero movies, um, you know which ones I'm talking about, seem to feature villains that have similar skill sets and similar superpowers to their heroes, and it gets a little repetitive to watch the same style of fights at each other. Um, So when we get a deliberate contrast like this, it makes sense story-wise as to why side can come out on top compared to the other. It's also a good visual treat for us. But you were saying about the peril. One thing I really noticed was uh, that one moment when uh, Ivy sets those like like plant jaguar tiger things at uh, Supergirl. It's very noticeable that she's like bitten and clawed at quite intensely by these creatures because obviously she's an invulnerable character. She wouldn't she wouldn't necessarily be like bruised or cut or bleed anywhere, so she can take these take these wounds. But it's just it's just hampering to her. We've not been able to do that with any other hero on this show so far because like like. Batman's Batman and the rest of the Bat family suits would get cut up and they'd be sort of jostled around. But the invulnerability means we can take it. So it's a much more stirring visual, but it doesn't put them in any more danger as they otherwise are the other characters will otherwise be in. So it's a nice unexpected visual that shocks the uh, viewer at first, but then they think about it and it's like, oh, of course, it wouldn't be as bad, but it's still like a wall. The heroes are really feeling it until the combined efforts help them defeat these uh, these nefarious trio. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great observation that, yes, in terms of physical strength, they have got a similar level to Kara, and two of them do hold her back. But like you brilliantly spotted, 
they're not scratching her or clawing her or making her bleed because she is nigh on invulnerable. There's very yeah. little that can pierce a Gryptonian skin. So, and it's little character touches like that, again, that make this episode so, so, so good. Really, really good. Yeah. And as you said, the heroes prevail, but again, using smarts. And I love it. Yeah. Something that's uh, definitely rewarding to being able to outthink your opponent usually wins things in any kind of fight. So we see that done well. And they're brought together by this uh, shared experience because they are able to talk about how their lives look uh, outside of the masks by uh, by Batgirl hacking the uh, police database and Supergirl uh, tending to what I'm presuming is the Kent family farm into them admiring each other's lives and then doing what I can only assume is very stereotypical ladies things of just like um, reclining uh, towels up uh, after a long day of superheroing. So we get a lovely, well-rounded story of an unlikely friendship that will stand the test of time throughout comics for probably their entire existence, right? Oh, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, what's more normal than after a hard day's work, two girls getting their nails and hair done together? I mean, that's just little touches of realism like that that I just adore. And there's a couple more that that are part of my takeaways, but we'll we'll talk about that later. But again, it's like little... um, Easter eggs and little things to spot that really stood out in this episode, like Ivy's car having the number plate Rosebud. Or, and then this was another stand up and shout moment Penguin, Iceberg Lounge. When they're in there and there's a seal, the seals, which, which Harley mentions, oh, they've got live seals in there. This is so cool. And when they take the Iceberg Lounge down, because Live Wire's um, temper is very short. And yep. you actually see a seal escaping with all the denizens of the Iceberg Lounge as they all run out of the club. Little things yep. like that are fantastic. Really make me laugh. They make an effort to keep things consistent and well handled. So I can trust this creative team to put on any kind of like well-rounded visual to literal storytelling. They can do next to anything, and I, I love them for that. And that wonderful line at the end of the episode when um, obviously the heroes win and the Villains taken behind bars and again, good old donut dunker Harvey Bullock is there and the news reporter says, well, well who, who's responsible for this arrest? I mean, who, who brought these bad guys down? A couple of rookies and you think, oh, you swine. But then he goes, <laughs> but they've got potential. Yeah. And that again shows that side of Harvey we don't see enough of, but has mm. always been there in the comics and I'm glad that it started to appear in the show as well. It also shows the level of character development that Harvey's gone on because he's been oh, there yeah. since the very beginning episodes and he did not like or trust Batman at all. Um, so shall we talk about our wonderful guest stars, Supergirl and Livewire? Yep, I'll presume they're the same cast of characters from the Superman TV exactly series as well. Exactly the same, exactly the same. And two again, very seasoned, very well-known actresses. And you will recognise both of them, maybe not as much as, say, your mother and I, but you'll definitely recognise them. Um, playing Supergirl is Nicole Tom, who has been in so many TV shows, from Fresh Prince to Bel-Air, Beverly Hills 90210, a Princess Diaries movie. She was mm. in 141 episodes of The Nanny as Maggie Sheffield, the daughter of the main character. Um, she's obviously Superman, the animated series, Justice League Unlimited as um, Supergirl as well. Um, she has appeared in episodes of Gotham, and she even replies Supergirl in... Every single Supergirl, Superman-based ride at every Six Flags park everywhere in the world. So wherever you see those videos and you hear Supergirl speak, it is Nicole Tom voicing her. Now, 
you would probably know her if you remember this far back you were very little the first two beethoven movies and the beethoven animated series this lady was the eldest daughter of the newton family rice oh, the wow. blonde girl yeah um so she's been acting all the way since then so a stellar career and it's still going livewire is uh, a seasoned actress and voice actress known um by the name of Laurie Petty, who you and I are huge fans of. I mean, this um, pedigree is is huge. TV like Prison Break, Robot Chicken, mm. Twilight Zone, Equalizer, mm. Miami Vice, ER, CSI, voice roles, Transformers, Robots in Disguise as the uh, villainous um, Nitra. Um, obviously, Lightwire in, in uh, Superman's Shadow of Apocalypse video game. Um, she also made an appearance in Gotham. But her movie career started in 1990, where she was actually Robin Williams, of all people, legend man you know I love with all my heart, mm. Robin Williams' girlfriend in, in the very famous movie Cadillac Man. She was in three seasons of Orange is the New Black, in stellar, massive hit movies like Free Willy and A League of Their Own. If you've seen that with Madonna and Gina Davis, she plays Gina Davis's sister. So she's been in films oh, with the, Tom yeah. Hanks, Robin Williams. Yeah, but for me... One of my favourite films of all time, and I know it's a film you've seen and loved. Um, she's uh, Tyler in Point Break, the girlfriend of Keanu oh. Reeves, the one who teaches him to wow. surf. Wow. Okay. That, that's, yeah. that, that's fitting casting. That, that, wow, what a seasoned performer. Yeah. And for UK comics nerds, she is Tango. Oh, wow. Pulp icon. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and for me, still a very underrated movie. Odd, little bit weird movie, but um, no, just I love the comics too. Yeah, Tango was always a very weird character anyway, just sort of yeah. like like passing through parody and coming out the other side. But but yeah, um, wow, season performer. Uh, Andrea Romano does it again. Absolutely. As if we Absolutely. could be surprised. Because of, of course, yes, Andrea did cast Superman and Justice League and all those other wonderful shows as well. So what a talent. Yeah. What a talent. I think uh, Bruce Tim wanted to ensure that the this TV vision of the DC universe was nice and consistent. So they achieved that very well. And it is a universe. Once we start watching Batman Beyond, you'll see this is one cohesive, seamless universe. It's in many ways, um, better than the comics have ever done it. That's a bold claim, but then again, the comics every like 10, 15 years or so have to reset time to make things make sense. So after 85 years, yep, they do. Yeah. Yep. So that's the cast. Obviously, now it's time, starting with yourself, to talk about your main takeaways, good, bad, or hideously terrifying of Girls Night Out. I think it's very important that uh, a show like this, who's working to try and inspire little kids, also tries to. Uh, keep a little bit of in-world realism. So it was very nice, the memorial statue when Livewire first appears, honouring the firefighters of Gotham City. I think that's a lovely bit of realism and a, sh a show of respect to real heroes in our world as well as ones in this world of super-powered entities. So yeah, that was a lovely, lo lovely, nice real-world touch that I uh, was surprised, but welcome to see. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And my one is, is something you did touch on earlier, is the mutual respect and love between Cara and Barbara and the way that Cara's come all the way to Gotham and she's seen 
Babs's setup, her computers, the way she can get into the police and the way she uses her brains to fright crime. And Kara's just overwhelmed with how cool Batgirl is. And of course, to a normal human being like you, me, like Batgirl, she's thinking, well, hang on, you're Supergirl. You can fly. You're Superman's cousin. And, and the joy you see in her face when she's flying with Supergirl, because obviously that ability, that gift, mm. it, it, it's tremendous. But then when Supergirl says, yeah, but I, I live on a farm, and Barbara goes, oh, my God, that's so cool. The animals, the fresh air, away from the hustle and bustle of the city. And you realize that they're completely different, but they're kindred spirits. They're, they're, yeah. they're friends. And while they have completely different backgrounds and lifestyles, they still go out every day, put their lives on the line to protect others when they don't have to do that. Like firefighters, like the police, like the military – Sometimes with the good ones, because they're not all good, mm. they are superheroes because they go above and beyond and do more than Joe Public or the normal um, member of, 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 of the citizenship of any town, country or city would do. And that to me, that's the essence of a hero. And that characterization in this episode, again, flawless. I've got nothing to complain about with Girls Night Out at all. We have very little to claim about most episodes, but I think that moment perfectly sums up the decades of history and love and friendship and respect that these two characters have, effortlessly so. And it's a very hard thing to do that properly, but once again, this creative team with this level of knowledge, but also love of these characters in the comics, they can tell any kind of story in this universe. They really can. I mean, it's a hard thing to do if you've got these episodes, these characters in concurrent episodes, four, five, six at a time in normal TV. But they've managed to do that in one episode of Batman the Animated Series. And that to me is, again, and we say it a lot, one of the reasons this show is the pinnacle. It's above and beyond any other cartoon I've ever seen. And oh, I love it forever. I love it forever. That's why we're still talking about it uh, 25 years beyond. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll continue Absolutely. To do so. so that's it. Yeah, that's uh, season three, episode 21, The Girls' Night Out, and our 99th episode. And we've got something big coming up next week. We recorded this a few months ago, and it was uncanny that it happened uh, just as we lost the wonderful Arlene Sorkin, the original Harley Quinn. So the next episode, um, we recorded it a while ago, so it might seem a little bit out of uh, context now, but. If you love this show, if you love Harley, if you love the wonderful actress that was Arlene Sorkin, this is not just our 100th episode. It's one of the greatest Harley stories of all time in comics and on TV. And it's also a loving tribute from us. And yeah. two wonderful guest stars who've been with us the last few weeks, James Attias from Dark Knight News and Brad Frilicki from DC Comics News. And it's a, it's a bit special. It's, a, it's an episode dear to our hearts. So that's coming up next week. Yeah, plenty to be excited about so that we can hear and say everything we have to about Harley Quinn in this definitive episode, given by the definitive Harley Quinn. Uh, you'll, you're in for a treat, listeners. We can personally guarantee it. Oh, absolutely. So that's it. So in the meantime, before our 100th episode, Adam, legend of Bloodhaven, tell our viewers, tell our listeners where they can read your work, see your videos and learn everything about what you do outside of Gotham City. I do many things across the ground wide interwebs. Do listen closely. Uh, for many Batman-flavoured things, you can turn to Dark Knight News. Uh, I do many reviews across the weeks and across the months, both Catwoman and Batman Beyond are in excellent spots right now. 
But uh, for my one true love, PC and tabletop gaming, look no further than our pride and joy, fantasticuniverses.com, where I offer my two cents across all manners of gaming, PC, console, tabletop, and everything in between. Follow me on Twitter at isitinkerer or whatever that website's called these days. So hear my ramblings and my braggings for various wins across digital card games and look to twitch.tv forward slash isitinkerer for my in-person gameplays, including DC-flavored card game goodness, DC Dual Force. But uh, that's a little of me. I have many things to say across the universe. What about you, my good pal? Well, I've got to say the the latest issue of Catwoman following on from the epic Gotham mm. War blew my mind. Um, can't mm. wait to see what happens next. I kind of saw that coming with the whole um, Vandal Savage stuff and the meteorite, but readers, if you're not reading Catwoman, Tinny Howard is killing it. Do pick it up. Yeah. Really, really good stuff. Yeah, myself. Um this wonderful show with this wonderful human. I am the night part of the DC comics news podcast network. I promise um, I've been a bit ill recently that I'll be back on the weekly DC comics news podcast. As soon as my voice is back up to scratch and I can, I can speak a bit more, but this shows our baby. So I want to be in as many episodes as I possibly can. You can catch all these shows on Spotify, Twitch, not Twitch, Twitch has gone Spotify, Google play, um, Apple, wherever you get your shows. And you can see our heroic visages on YouTube as well. For my writing, catch me by typing in Steve, J. Ray, all fantastic universes into your search engine of choice to read all my features, news, reviews, and interviews across DC Comics News, Dark Knight News, and our baby, Fantastic Universes. On Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it these days, I'm LSteVo, E-L underscore S-T-E-E-V-O. As you'll see above my noggin, and catch us there for everything nerdy and delicious. But until you do, this is Adam Ray. They are the knights. This has been the I'm the Night podcast, and together we are the night forever. Thank you for listening, and until next time, read more comics and watch more Batman.